What's happening, guys? Welcome to the JBS Training Group podcast. My name is Mark Smith. I am your host. I own and operate JBS Training Group, which is a firearms training company that travels the nation teaching guys what I know about shooting fast and accurate. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you'd like to know more about JBS Training Group or where you can get in on a class, you can visit www.jbstraininggroup.com. Enjoy the show. From one side, like one corner to the next corner, like across the way there, that's that's 200, 300 yards. I mean, it's it's big, you know. From and, and that's just and that's just one floor, you know. Um. So anyway, it was. Man, I got to be honest. I, I was, and I this ain't a joke, right? This ain't a punchline. I'm being dead serious. Like I was pretty much just lost the entire time. Like I never really knew where I was. I would just see things that I recognized. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I've seen that Benelli booth before, but even that don't tell me where I am. It just tells me I, I, I have not wandered off. <laughs> like I'm still, I'm still in the show. I've been here before this, you know, but I don't know where I am. And, um, so I do like, dude, Nick, Nick Young was like, I'm in mod light booth, blah, 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 bro. I wandered around for three hours and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I don't know. You know? And then Scott Peterson told me, he's like, you got the app? And I was like, no, I ain't got the app. And he's like, bro, you need the app. And sure enough, you pull up the app and, you, and there's like maps and stuff on it. And you can like search for these booths. Yeah. So I figured that out after day one. Ended up going to Joe Dawson uh, at Bruiser Industries. He had a, a little uh, cigar get together. Uh, that was interesting. We walked we walked to, to the wrong place. Um, so we walked about six miles to to go to a place that was less than a mile away so that was fun to we had a big dinner at a uh, a brazilian steakhouse that was an experience for me i'd never had before 100 it's 130 dollars. all you can eat all you can drink right for 90 minutes 90 minutes you got to go um so what they do is there's the first thing you're going to get on your table is a is a bunch of bowls of like this try hard cornbread that they got then they bring out these fake instant mashed potatoes, which I got to be honest, you know, first impressions are everything. And when I saw those instant mashed potatoes and those uh, I ain't from the South of America cornbread rolls, I was like, ah, it, it ain't hitting on much so far, boys. You know what I mean? And right. And then they're like, oh, yeah, go to the salad bar. And once you go to the salad bar, uh, you know, we'll come by with the meats. And so me and Olivella and, and Fred and everybody else, like we just sat there. We're like, you know, we, we ain't biting. You know, I, I got to wait on them, them ribeyes to start rolling around. And so we did. And uh, we we ate a bunch and it was it was good. Um, it was real nice. Me and uh, Scott actually got in on some of this. But me and Duffy, uh, uh, John Dufresne, we, 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 we tore some desserts up. I got it. Now, here's what I will say. The Tres Leches cake at the Brazilian Steakhouse in Vegas was the best Tres Leches cake I've ever had, I think. Uh, I can't remember a better one. So, yeah, it was real good. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. Hell, I'd have paid $130 just to eat four of them. You know, just bring me four plates of that out here, you know. But, uh, I mean, you know, I got to I gotta say, I think I did pretty well. Mike Olivella did pretty well, but he was like, he was doing it for emotional reasons, right? Not for hunger reasons. He was like wanting to prove a point that he was going to get his money's worth more than he was actually hungry. And he was working them boys too. They'd come over there and he'd be like, no, no, I want rare. Don't come back unless it's rare. And they'd just walk off and then they'd come back and they'd be like, how about this? And he's like, I'll take that next time more rare, <laughs> you know? 
And finally, the dude was like, how about blue? You want the blue? And he's like, yes, blue. Bring me blue. You know? Yeah, they, they brought him out something like they knocked the tail off and smacked it on the hind end. <clears throat> Sent it out there. But, yeah, it was good. Was that the best meal you had out there? Uh, no, no. So inside the Venetian. Now, you know, a lot of people are going to hear this. They're going to be like, what the heck, Mark, like that over over steak, like unlimited steak? Yes, man, because, like, I got to be honest, steak's real good. Don't get me wrong. But I'm real picky about my steak because I've had real good steak, right? And once you've had real good steak, everything other than that, just don't do it, you know? Once you sear a daggum Wagyu, you know, a, an 8-9 or a nine ten Wagyu ribeye and some beef tallow on cast iron on real fire in your house and then, like, date your wife in the house. I mean, it's just a great night. I, there ain't no restaurant going to top that, you know? And so so there's that, right? But inside the Venetian, there's a restaurant called the Yardbird. And, you know, without taking a whole lot of guesses, you can probably figure out what they serve there. So it's a big chicken establishment, right? Now, I'm also very picky about chicken, right? Fried chicken is either good or it ain't. There ain't much in between, right? You either, you either hit it or you, or you didn't. It was a miss. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, it is anyway. Um, kind of like French, it's kind of like French fries, right? Like, like they, either the French fries suck or they're banging. Yeah. Or onion rings, onion rings, man. If they, if they ain't hand battered, don't even mess with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you ain't hand battered onion rings, get the heck out of here. They had something uh, that is known as chicken and waffles. Now, it don't sound all that crazy right off the, right off the cuff, right? Just a, just a normal, <laughs> you know, traditional American meal, which is what I went in there thinking. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get me something that's a safe bet, you know, which is why I didn't expect what, what's about to happen here. This is why it was the best meal, right? So, yeah, so like I'm going I'm to I'm go ahead and get some chicken and waffles, which I'm going I'm to call a safe bet, pun intended, you know. Uh, probably not going to mess this up. And so it comes out and right off the bat, you notice that this ain't just a chicken breast or chicken strips. No, no, no. What they have given you is a half bird, right? Bone in. You get a leg, a thigh, a breast, and a wing, right? And I'm like, okay, I ain't never seen this before, right? I ain't never had the bone in, like the whole half bird. So it's a tremendous amount of food, right? Because right beside that, there's these two fat half, like they take a half a waffle. Uh, and dude, if they didn't deep fry that son of a gun, I'd kiss your hind end because that thing was crunchy, crunchy, like almost potato chip like, right? Um, and man, I got to be honest, that's the best chicken waffles I ever had in my life. You know, most waffles, they like, you know, they definitely put them in an in a iron and they, and they cooked them, you know, and they kind of crunchy on the outside. But this thing, this thing was like it was fried or something, man. Like it almost shattered. It almost shattered when you when you bit it, but it was still soft on the inside. Man, it was something. It, it, it was. It was something else. Syrup and hot sauce on your chicken and waffles? or Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I prefer hot honey. So like uh, honey with cayenne pepper or, or Carolina Reaper mixed in with it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a hot honey kind of guy uh, on, my, on my chicken and then uh, syrup on my waffle. If all you got is one or the other, I'll take the honey. But their syrup. So here's another thing, right? Their syrup. Their syrup wasn't just normal syrup, though. It was real maple syrup, which is a, I mean, I'm going to call like that Canadian, like huh? a requirement. If you're going to serve, dude, mm-hmm. if you're going to serve waffles or pancakes, get out of here with that Aunt Jemima corn syrup. Bull mm, crap. That ain't real. 2023, for God's sakes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So they come out with some real maple syrup, but it's bourbon barrel aged maple syrup. 
and man, I'm gonna tell you that that hitting with the with the hot sauce, they got their own their own hot sauce. I, I mean, they brought it out in these little bottles like it's house made. I gotta be honest, that's Tabasco. We all know it, but it's fine. It's a nice touch. They brought it out in their own bottles. You know, one of my favorite meals. I gotta be honest, if you're gonna kill me, dude. If if you're gonna kill me tomorrow, and you said what you want for your last meal, it would be it would be bone in uh, Nashville. Like it ain't gotta be Nashville hot, just hot chicken, man. Hot chicken with some honey. Like that's that's all I want, dude. And, and like all dark meat, I want like six legs and and four thighs, and I'll I'll burn that up. Oh man, we got we got a spot like that over here. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You ever get your hind in down here, down here, South Carolina? I take you to get the best hot chicken I've ever had. What about your cigar party? I heard you were drink, you were uh, smoking on some padrones. Uh, yeah, what were they? Man, all right, <coughs> padrone, 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 just padrone. Just Padron. Not, not school. Patron. School me on not that, bro. I, I thought, not, yeah. For, for the, when you first told me, I thought you were drinking Patron. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Patron is with a T. Padron. Padron is with a D. Um, so Padron is a is a cigar manufacturer. They uh, they make some really good stuff, man. And they're and they're pretty popular among the cigar aficionados, which I'm not. I, I now I do enjoy an occasional cigar, however. I, I don't really know, like, you know, some of these boys, they know the lineage of these families and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't I don't know nothing about none of that. But I do know that one of my favorites uh, is the Padron uh, 64 series, 1964. And uh, it's just a perfect size. It's like I, if I'm going to smoke a cigar, it's going to need to be a Maduro wrap. I don't uh for those of you that don't know what that means, that's basically a, a real dark wrap. It's got a tremendous amount of nicotine in it. Uh, you know, you ain't playing with a rookie here, you know, so like hit me. Um, and and so a couple funny stories on this. <clears throat> Number one, me, Scott Peterson, and Nick Young, we're going to walk through this thing because we don't want to wait on an Uber. Dude, it seemed like we walked around in circles. Like it was crazy, I, but but we didn't. We didn't walk around in circles. I was just that lost, Right. And a lot of that stuff's so big out there that you can see it from from a bunch of different places. So you think you've already been there before, but you hadn't, you know. And so anyway, um, we end up walking and we finally get into this this place called the Monte Cristo Cigar Bar, right? And dude, it's like it's dead. There's like there's like five people in the whole place, and we're like, well, man, like we done missed. It started at seven. It's now eight o'clock. We done missed it. They done smoked them and got the heck out of here. Uh, so. Asked the lady, hey, where's all our friends at, you know, and all this. And, and she uh, immediately exclaims with multiple expletives, right? And so we're like, oh, snap, you know. And so th- come to find out, there are two Monte Cristo cigar bars in Las Vegas, and they are around about two miles apart from one another. Uh, we are at the wrong one. And so now, after our, you know, trek to Mecca, uh, basically, to, to, to this first one, we got to go back out and start all over. Uh, and so we start doing that. We finally get there, dude. We freak our feet are tired. We sweating. We two hours late. Like, it's just, I don't even want to be there now, you know, but I, I got my, I got my vibe back, you know, after I was there for a minute, saw everybody. Um, but imagine a room, you know, about, the, about as big as a, as a daggum doctor's office waiting area, you know, like, I mean, I'm talking about 20 feet by 20 feet. Like it ain't, it ain't a big place. Right. And there's like 50 dudes up in there and they are all hot boxing these freaking Padrones, you know, the, the smoke was insane. Like my eyes, I couldn't even see. It was, it was crazy. Felt like I was in the freaking car with Tupac and Biggie. You know what I mean? So anyway, 
I'm like, hey, all right, you know, when in Rome, where's mine at? And uh, dude, Joe Dawson's got like boxes of of 1964 Padrones stacked up, and he's like, just take one, man. Dude, I hit the I hit the you know the cigar lounge every now and then and pick up you know five or ten of them to replenish my humidor. I know that a 1964 Padron, when you buy them in singles, that's a that's a twenty eight dollar stick, man. And he got like boxes of them, giving them out for free. And I'm like, Joe. And, you know, and well, apparently, apparently Mr. Padron or whoever sponsors this event. Right. And so, like, they they gave us all these things. So anyway, sat there, talked with him for a little bit, got super tired, decided to leave. Nick wanted to stay. Right. So Nick stays behind me and Scott Lee. Well, do we start? We ain't eat nothing since breakfast. Right. And it's and it's like midnight. Um, and so we, we got to eat something. So we, we stop into Ramsey's uh, Hale's, Hale's Kitchen. We sit down, we eat for a little bit getting ready to leave and nick texts me and says i'm lost as f in the in the caesar's palace <laughs> so, so i'm like man we lost too but we we at we at the ramsey's kitchen if you if you find that come on in you know but i didn't hear from nick the rest of the night i'm assuming he made it out of there but uh yeah i went straight home went to bed dude i couldn't hang with them boys i ain't you know everybody act like it's a point of authority or a point of power if you can just like stay up later than everybody else, I got to be honest. I don't even give a crap. I got to go to bed or this or this ain't going to be good. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to be meeting people for the first time looking like a bum, you know? Um, so the first night, what happens it, anytime I go to the West Coast, this happens, right? I don't know what this is, but it happens every time. If I, so, <clears throat> excuse me, number one. I got to get up early as balls because there ain't no flight that leaves out of GSP heading to the West Coast that ain't going to leave, you know, any later than 6 a.m. Like, it, it, it's getting out of here early. This one left at 5, which means I got to be at the airport at 4, which means I got to be up, like, got to be up at 3 a.m. So I woke up at 3, got my hind end of the airport. That's 3 Eastern time now. So that'd be midnight for you West Coasters, right? That's going to come into play here in a minute. So I, I finally get out there on the West Coast Pacific time at 4 p.m. local, right, which is, which is 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so it's already dinner time for me. Like I, I'm, I'm getting a shower, getting ready to go to bed is what's typically happening, right? But then, I mean, I just got there. I got to go to Circle Bar, right? So I have to go through the city like Spider-Man because I can't figure out how to get down on the streets. I jumped two parking garages and a chain link fence and one of them orange one of them orange security roadblocks uh, to, to get there with some ostrich skin and some bean slip-ons on, mind you. Yep, got there. It was hot. I was, I was hot and sweaty. I didn't, I didn't, you know, parkour through Las Vegas to try to get here. And uh, then they want to sit and chill, you know, and we got to go eat some dinner and all this. So we go do all this stuff. Next thing you know, it's, it's like midnight. Well, dude, I just kept hanging. I just kept hanging out because I kept meeting people. I kept running into people. As long as, as long as there's people there that like will will in, engage with me, it's, it's almost like I hit my second wind, man. Like I can just go. Like, and it ain't got nothing to do with alcohol or nothing. Like I'm just up. Um, so it's like my body trips out and it don't know what's going on, you know. Um, but anyway, next thing I know, dude, Brittany's calling me to to see if I want to tell the kids. Uh, 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 good morning on their way to school. It's now, it's now 7.30 Eastern time, and I'm still in the headgum casino talking to people, dude. It was 4 in the morning, you know? 
And I was like, oh, my God. So, like, not only did I leave before my wife woke up yesterday, but now she's up again and I still ain't been to bed, you know. So anyway, I went and crashed out, woke up about, I don't know, 10 o'clock. No, no, I didn't because I had a meeting at 10 o'clock. So I had to get up at nine. I got like I got like three hours sleep and and got up. Um, and after after about, you know, after about a couple hours, that started to catch up to me. And I ended up just going to bed at 10 o'clock that night. But anyway, it was it was it was kind of wild, man. Um, saw a lot of cool stuff, though. Um, you know, I, I got to be honest, one of my uh Favorite, just overall, like exciting moments was the uh, the Palmetto State Armory booth. I got to be honest, like, dude, they they're doing some cool freaking stuff. Um, now this is all uh, under the assumption that it actually works, right? So keep so keep that in mind. However, to to all you folks that talk about how bad PSA sucks and this and that and the other, you know. Have you tried anything recently or are you talking about stuff from from five and ten years ago? Right. Because if it's five and ten years ago, I agree. You know what I mean? But like this new stuff looks pretty solid, man. And like, don't forget what Holosun did. Like Holosun used to suck balls, bro. And now everybody, everybody got them. They, they figured it out. They fixed their stuff, you know. Um, PSA is doing some stuff. They're doing a collaboration gun with Hodge. Which is extremely interesting, right? Uh, pinch lock rail and a hammer forged barrel, and uh, some of their new, uh, newly adopted bolt designs. Um, What's the point of that? Is that like? Is that like? I don't know. Why? Why would that? Tell me uh, more about well, that. Well, well, because uh, I think it's primarily a, a business thing more than an actual. Uh, you need it thing, right? It's it's like if if people see that Jim Hodge is willing to get together with us, like like mm-hmm. you know credibility, yeah, yeah. Um, they're doing a bunch of these what they're calling uh, PSA saber rifles, which seem to be pretty pretty high quality compared to the typical stuff that they're known for putting out, right? Um, they're doing a lot of clone rifles, so a lot of uh, the big bore stuff, three hundred eight and six five Creedmoor, and the oh, the clone stuff platforms. is cool. yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, you know, and I know Lucas Bakken's been been rocking one of them three hundred eight guns that they make uh, for a little bit now, and he, you know, see, you know, he seems to to enjoy that. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll see. They uh, they agreed to to send in a uh, a sample for you know evaluation for the DMR series. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Let's see, let's see what they got. Um, you know, outside of that, it wasn't a lot of, there wasn't really much, like there was some neat stuff, but there wasn't nothing that like, like it takes a lot to impress me because like my brain is always on the training side of things. Like I want people training and I want people training the right way and I want gear and supplemental tech that affects that. So like, you know, so Magpul put out a clear magazine, right? It's cool, but whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's that's aesthetics based stuff that ain't got nothing to do with what I'm trying to do. Um, so <clears throat> uh, another super cool thing that I saw, Puxworks dropped a six millimeter uh, flow through can. So six millimeter, you know, uh, can like their um, oh hell, what do they call it? The the QD seven eight the QDC. I don't know the tiny the tiny five five six one that I have. It's basically the exact same size. It's just got a bigger bore, so it's the same can. 
Oh, wow. Um, but that is, to my knowledge, and I asked them, and they said they, they believe that this is also true. Uh, to my knowledge, that is the first uh, six millimeter uh, specific flow, flow through can for uh, specifically designed for six R. Well, help me out here because, you know, I'm in California, so having a, having a can for any of my guns is kind of a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm not really up on the brands and the, and the models, but isn't Huxworks sure. like a pretty pretty high-end? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very well-made can, a uh, pretty, pretty popular can. A um, lot of lot of contracts uh, get, get, get bought from those dudes uh, just because it's a, it's a great suppressor, man. The, the only downside to it, which is not just specific to them, it's to the flow-through design. So anybody making flow-through cans is going to have this problem. Uh, you just have to clean them more. So any of that gas that used to be get, you know, get directed into your chamber uh, made your gun dirty as balls. Well, now that gas is being redirected out the front of the can. And so all those little uh, channels that that gas travels through gets carbon. Uh, all up in it, right? And so you have to clean the can more than you do a traditional model. So a flow through is like a linear comp kind of thing. It's, it's pushing it all forward, or what is that? So imagine like if you if you were to I don't know how much you know about suppressors or have seen them, but like if you split one in half, you're gonna see a bunch of blast baffles, and it's and it's basically it. Everything's in one single chamber. Uh, there's no there's no layers to it. It's just one single chamber with a bunch of blast baffles. That's about it. Um, if you look at a flow-through design, what you'll see is same thing, except there's like an outer layer around that main chamber, uh, and it's full of small channels, and all of those channels originate in the blast chamber, which is where the muzzle device goes, mm-hmm. and they terminate at the end of the suppressor. So it's taking all that excess blast and gas and pushing it back through those channels out the front of the suppressor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and take taking all that gas away from the does, shooter. Does that lead to a little bit more recoil or what? No, at least a significantly less recoil, because none of that none of that is now coming back into the chamber and increasing bolt speed or anything like that. Like the, I think the the Hux uh, can was tested on some gun, some somewhere somehow. A bunch of dudes did some testing on it, and uh, the carrier speed, like for instance, carrier speed increase for like a Surefire can somewhere around forty percent. Like it's going to increase carrier speed. Uh, the the Hux cans is like one one percent. Um, like it basically like the gun runs like it always does. It doesn't really affect it, huh? There's no such thing as back pressure. Um, not not that's discernible to the shooter anyway. Huh. So and it and also keeps a bunch of gas out of your face. I'll have it with me uh, when I come out there in April. You're more than welcome to take it for a ride. Oh yeah. So I, I like them, and I think you know people are finding out that that's. Uh, that's the way that we want to go. Um, a little bit louder, right? So if like max sound suppression is going to be like your, your number one, then you probably won't use a flow through. Um, but typically for most people and the reason they're using suppression, uh, devices, it, 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 I mean, I'm not gonna say it has nothing to do with it. It just has very little to do with like the total sound of the gun. Like we're, we're prioritizing a whole lot of other things like, you know, how the thing fits onto the muzzle device, point of impact shift, is it repeatable, flash signature, like all these different things. I mean, there's no such thing as a 5.56 can that when you crack it off, nobody's going to know that you just shot a rifle nearby. You know what I mean? Sure, for sure. Unless you're using like, what, like 300 blackout subsonic kind, something kind of thing? Correct. Correct. Okay. Or sub, sub like a, like a sub uh, nine, 9 mil gun or something. I always wanted to... A forty-five subsonic, you know, like HK. Yeah, they're cool. They're super yeah. quiet. They're super quiet. Have you ever shot a? Uh, have you ever shot like a like a suppressed 
like a like a lever action. One of the quietest guns I've ever heard, man. Nick Young actually has it. It's a lever action twenty two with a uh, I think oh, he's got shit. the surefire surefire twenty two can on it. But because like there's no there's no bolt that there's no action that's actually moving when you shoot it. So like that mm-hmm. takes away from some of the sound. And then like, also it's such a long barreled uh, lever gun that like, there's just not, I mean, it, it's incredibly quiet. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Wow. I was going to ask you, what would you like? So when you have a fourteen five, right. And it's pinned and welded in terms of the muzzle device, like are, are all these suppressor companies using like a consistent mount, um, style or is every one of those proprietary and you got to really like repin well, depending on what compressor <clears> you <throat> pick. Uh, like what goes through vast, your head when you got to pick one? Vast majority of them are going to be proprietary. That's um, kind of what I thought. So like, how do you decide what you're going to run with for a while? If, if you know, cause you can't just, well, the whole pin and weld thing for, for me is, uh, it never really comes into play because like I got okay. so many SBRs, um, that, like that, so you just don't deal devices. with that. I, yeah, I just don't. I just don't deal with that. Okay, so with that kind of, that problem out of the mix, it makes it a lot easier to kind of switch between. But I have I have unpinned a muzzle device before, and then had a new one repinned. Um, my my gunsmith tells me you probably shouldn't do that more than like one time, um, because you start like chopping the barrel up pretty good. Um, but you know, this is another great benefit of just a 16 inch overall length gun um you know like now you got to worry about that and you got to worry like that yeah and you just do what you want and i mean dude like it's an inch and a half like any you know that ain't that ain't gonna save you ask her <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh that's just you know I, and and then like there's also the thing of like i mean what the, the the question you just asked is the has the assumption with it that dudes are pinning and welding their muzzle device of course yeah right uh which you know this 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 ain't a legal show and don't take no advice from me but you you know make 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 good decisions i guess or whatever yeah yeah so it's, it's on the on the person but i guess um i guess what i'm asking is if for, if someone wanted to set it and forget it you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, is it something like you have an old faithful that you stick with all the time or are you uh, constantly gonna, trying to so technology? It forget it. Um, two, two things. N- number one, if it's not a flow through design, I want it to be direct thread. Um, if it's, if it's never going to come off the gun, then why do we need a QD system? Right. Because a QD system is just more crap to ha- add weight, more, more failure points, more just places for it to come loose. Um, like just give me direct threat, you know? Right. Um, so there's that. If it is a flow through design, then it needs to be very easy on and off. And I think Huxworks has, uh, basically done as good as like the physical world that we live in will ever allow it to be done. Um, it's a, it's a reverse thread taper lock, uh, system that doesn't get locked onto the gun. Like it, it never gets locked up where you can't get it off. Um, and you just unthread it, clean it and thread it back on. It's very, very simple. Okay. Uh, so like that would be my preferred method. One of the, one of, one of those twos. I did. I really, really like what, um, what Hux is doing. Now, if you are significantly invested already in surefire muzzle devices, then it might behoove you to go with a surefire flow through design or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, cause I mean, dude, like think about it. Like if you got 10 rifles, right. And all of them have surefire muzzle devices on them. Like you're looking at somewhere right around close to twelve hundred dollars, if not more, just in muzzle devices. 
Right. You know, like you, you can't just take those off and throw them away. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's what dudes are stuck with. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of which, I watched your video on the Hodge rifle and, uh, why the accuracy degraded right from the throat. And like, there was a bunch of carbon buildup on the muzzle. I was curious what you oh, thought. Oh yeah, the one we shot out. Okay. So I was curious what you thought was like more, um, had more of a role in the, in the widening mm. of the, the group. Was it I the think throat that, or the muzzle? I, I think, I think it was the throat. I think that that muzzle had that carbon on it a long time ago. Um, mm. You know what I mean? Like we know how yeah. fast carbon builds up. Like that sure. that carbon didn't get built up in in forty thousand rounds, and all of a sudden forty two thousand rounds it got. We in the last ten percent of its life, yeah, 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 yeah man. Yeah. Like that that carbon was was definitely present in the in the first ten thousand rounds at least, and then it was, you know, definitely significant in the in the in the in the twenty thousand round mark, and it was it was bad at around the thirty thousand round mark. Um, so. You know, I, I I don't I don't think that that was the the culprit, which is why I did not go through the trouble of trying to unpin that device, clean it, and and put it back together. Um, because like even if I would have done that, like what, dude, we're at forty two thousand rounds. Like, what are we gonna get another five thousand out of it, maybe? And like, so is that work even worth it uh, at that point? Um, and then like what we were seeing indicates like a, a sloppy throat, you know. Um, when, when group size opens up, that's due to inconsistencies of how the, how the, the bullets are landing in the, in the, in the throat. Um, no, not, not always, but like it, it makes sense to me. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think it was the throat erosion, um, just based on, you know, constant suppressed use. Yeah. And, and like, I, I didn't, I didn't baby that freaking gun at all, man. It's <laughs> that like, like I think for me, it's, it will never be as impressive to anyone else as it is to me that that gun did that because like, I know what I did to that gun and like, dude, hear me when I say like, I beat the brakes off that freaking barrel. Like that, that thing got no special treatment. Like that thing, dude, I, I tell you what I should have done. And I forgot about this. But like when I made that video, I should have put pictures of the outside of the barrel in there, like as just <laughs> still shots and cutaways. Cause like, dude, yeah. my gas block was rusted to the barrel. Like, oh, like it, yeah, dude, like there was, there was like surface rust all over that thing. Um, in, in different spots, like it, there were parts that were pitted. I mean, it was just it, like, I, I, I wrecked it. Um, and like that in and of itself, like, like if, as long as Hodge 14, five barrels maintain that recipe, like there is it's no other 14, five barrel that touches that, like that right. I've ever seen. Like I will never recommend anything over that. Um, like that gun was sub minute. That gun was, was gassed, right? That gun lasted me 40,000 rounds of abusive use. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't abusive, like intentional. It was just like, I didn't, I didn't baby it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I didn't, didn't clean it like, like everybody would, you know, like I just, I Mm -hmm. shot it. So you're going to put some other guns through the same or similar pace, right? Like you got mm. a bunch of new guns you're going to be testing and you've met with some new companies that I'm not going to beat on them like that just simply because I don't have the time or the, the ammo to do it. Uh, so like we, we, we likely will not shoot out any of these guns in the testing of these guns. So uh, just because I wouldn't think so. I, 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 I hope we don't cause that would be a fail. Um, you know, I don't think that we'll put more than, 
I don't think we'll put more than a thousand rounds through through all of them. Um, like as far as like each individual one, I don't think I don't think each individual one will see over a thousand rounds um, because I just don't. I think, dude, at this point, like that's another thing from Shot Show. We got like let's see, one, two, three. We got four more manufacturers that are on board with this, and so now we're up to we got ten guns. And so, like, I like I, I ain't got ten thousand rounds of seventy-seven grain to just be dumping through this for everybody's just you know mm-hmm. pleasure and information. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like, if, if if dudes uh, and and so here's another uh, <clears throat> this this sounds funny, but it's it's true. If dudes want to know what their particular lot or, or their particular ammo choice does through any particular gun, um, one one of my buddies reached out to me, and this was like. Man, like I, I appreciate when dudes do this, and they see me as as the normal dude who actually still has to buy ammo. Um, but he reached out and he was like, "Hey, man, how, how many rounds would it take for you to test some some of this ammo through a couple of them different guns?" And and I was like, "I don't know, man. Like maybe I think three hundred would do it." And uh, so anyway, he says he's he's gonna ship me three hundred rounds of his preferred ammo in in the same lot so that I wow. can test it through all these different guns. And wow, that's awesome. And, and that way he like he he can basically do research through me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and so if anybody wants to do that, man, I'll happily oblige. Uh but I, I can't, you know, I everybody's gonna want to know like, can you go test, you know, freaking you know, sixty one grain, you know, Mars, Mercury, and Jupiter Moon brand ammo or whatever, you know what I mean? The answer is no, dude. Like I'm 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 doing fifty five grain to burn them in. Uh, I'm going to clean and patch them and, uh, and then we're going to start testing them with, with 77 grain and, uh, may- maybe some 69 grain. Um, and, and we're going to see what they do. Uh, we're, we're going to use the ammo that dudes would primarily use at, at matches or, or at work. Um, and if you want something outside of that, send, send it to me and I'll do it. Yeah. I wanted to ask, like, is there ever, because you're shooting such long range, um, I would think even range ammunition needs to be a little heavier than like 55 grain ball. Like, is there even a place for some 55 grain with DMR stuff? Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, so, so precise is precise no matter the distance, right? So hitting a six inch plate at 300 yards away requires that you be able to hold a one inch group at 50 yards. Mm. Like that's, that's the requirement. Like it, it must occur. Right. Um, so like if your standard is high enough close up, the distance isn't what makes it hard. It's, it's the precision of it. Uh, the only thing that gets into play at distance are the environmentals, right? Like the, 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 the wind and, and, and other uh, different effects that happen just being out, out you know, the, the bullet is in limbo longer, um, during flight time than it is at closer distances. So like that, other than that, like there is no difference. Like all of the accuracy tests for this stuff is going to be shot at a hundred yards. Um, now we're going to shoot some stuff farther away than that. Right. But, uh, I don't think that like you're going to measure a barrel and find that it, it's like really, really good at 300, but sucks at a hundred or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure why we would push out that far, but as far as the ammo goes, um, that I, I need that ammo to be accurate and precise, like at, at any distance. Um, so, just because a dude is running fifty-five grain and not planning to shoot at five hundred yards, doesn't mean he doesn't want an accurate and precise rifle that can shoot that ammo. So, um, we will test with fifty-five grain ball. We will test with sixty-two grain TSX. We will test with sixty-two grain 
uh, triple bonded bear claw, uh, T3 soft point. Uh, we will test with 70 grain TSX. We will test with 69 grain uh, federal gold metal match. If, if I can get my hands on some, I think I can. We're working on that. Um, we'll test with 77 grain gold medal match and 77 grain, you know, well, Sierra match Kings basically. Um, and then we'll probably throw in some of that new AAC, uh, 77 grain projectiles as well. So we're kind of going to cover the board as far as like just duty type. Like we're going to have the soft point in there. We're going to have the, the, the hollow point solid copper TSX rounds in there. And we're going to have the traditional, you know, 69 and 77 grain projos. The, uh, the reason that a dude wants a heavier projo at distance is simply because it is not pushed around and, and affected as much by the environmentals. However, comma, it must be going fast enough for that to be a true statement. Mm-hmm. If it's not going fast enough, then there's no sense in shooting it. Uh, so like my threshold for shooting 77 grains, they, they, they need to be going 2,600 feet per second in order to really get, get any benefit out of shooting that, that projectile. Um, if they're not going 2,600 feet per second, then, then whatever. Are you getting that on your 14.5 Hodge though? Oh, hell yeah. I'm getting 27 out of that. Um, right. So, so yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely possible. But, but your, your question was, is there any point in, like, why do you use the heavier stuff? Well, I use the heavier stuff for that reason. However, it's got to check a couple of boxes beforehand. Um, so the lighter stuff is not irrelevant. It's, no, you it's not see irrelevant how- at all. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, look, man, if 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 the wind is pushing fifty five grain, like the the seventy seven grain is not just invisible; it's still pushing it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what what the what the when the wind pushes a bullet, the the benefit that to the shooter for you know having a heavier projectile that's not pushed around as much is directly correlated to the forgiveness that you get from a bad wind call. So, like. Uh, say say a target's one mil wide, and I call a half mil of wind, but really it's one, it's one mil of wind uh, to my projectile. Like, so the difference between like a, like I say, I'm using a six millimeter arc. I call a half mil of wind, but really that wind is is significantly more than I thought, and it's pushing it up to up to you know one mil. Well, if I hold left edge of a one mil target at my half mil wind hold, and it's and it's right at one mil. Instead of a half, I'm still going to catch it on the target. <clears throat> if that same wind is blowing against a, a 5.56, like a 55 grain, and I hold that left edge, I think it's a half mil, it's going to really be more like two mils. Like it's just blowing it more, right? So you get a, you get a bigger forgiveness zone by not getting blown around as much. All right, that makes sense. So what are you shooting at a match then for DMR? Like what, what rounds 70, are you shooting? 77 grain primarily, yep. Okay. And you're saying that a 55 grain round is not going to be any less accurate, but it'll sustain some some wind at range, or it will it will be more volatile uh, to to the effects of the environment. And so another reason this comes into play, one of the reasons that like so in QP right now, like you you know what we see is that in the general purpose division, you got to have a 16 inch barrel and you got to have basically an LPVO, but a man can run damn near any caliber, right? Um, and and I know that like some people are going to flinch at that and they're going to be like, oh well, it can't run any caliber, dude. You, I mean, a six arc or a six max going against a five five six gun is not apples to oranges. Now, 
That don't mean that a good enough shooter can't go in there and know that gun, know that projo, know that wind, and 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 do well with a five five six gun. That ain't what I'm saying. But like some of the things, and it ain't just QP. I, they, they, I'm not singling them out, right? It's, it's any any DMR match where you can have multiple calibers at the lower level. Uh, I think those need to be five five six, um, and uh, across the board, in my opinion, um, maybe let three oh eight in there if you want to, because uh, it, it acts similar ish. Um, but anyway. Say you're shooting at a target that's, you know, half mil wide or something like that, and the berm behind that target, let's say it's twice as wide as the target, right? Maybe maybe three times as wide. I mean, you talk, you're talking about a, a six or eight yard wide berm at most. Like, it ain't big. You know what I mean? Um, if 5.56 five, guy makes a bad wind call, his bullet potentially leaves the berm and splashes into the broom straw off to the left side, and he has no idea what the correction is because he didn't get anything. He didn't get any visual from it. Uh, six mil guy makes a bad wind call. His bullet gets pushed off target, but it doesn't get pushed as far as as volatile, uh, and it still makes impact with the berm, and he gets to make a wind correction based on a visual. Um, so those little things like that uh, start to come into play when you get into caliber selection. So because of that reason. Uh, I like 77 grain for, for two reasons. Number one, it's not pushed off target as far if I dick something up. Number two, when it hits, it's going to it's gonna throw some dust up or some dirt or something way better than a 55 grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, when it hits, the RO who might suck at RO, and right, because a lot of times what happens at these matches, they're like, hey, if you're willing to RO, we'll give you a free match. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I got a set of, you know, Bushnell <laughs> binoculars, you know what I mean? And, like, may- maybe he can't see dick all and and don't know what he's looking at. So I need him to potentially, number one, either see some splash when that 77-grain Projo smacks that plate at 2,000 feet per second. I need to activate that flasher with some energy if they got a flasher on that target. Or um, I need him to hear this thing, right? So I need to hit that thing with some oomph so that he can hear it if you don't see it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's all those things kind of wrapped up into one. Sold. Sold. Makes total sense, dude. It's one of the reasons I like to use a suppressor on 5.56. Five, or, or well, I like to use a suppressor in general just because like, I don't want my RO's ears to be ringing when that bullet hits the freaking plate. I want him to hear it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> now, there's downsides to that, right? Like Mirage is a thing. So if you miss a whole bunch of shots and next thing you know, you're looking through you know, what looks like a damn steam room, um, you know, there, there's downsides to it. Uh, but – Make just you know, make sure you don't do that. I guess or whatever. For sure. Well, I digress, dude. Talking about ammo, we were we were going, uh, we were talking about shot show. What else did you see out there? What, <laughs> what got <laughs> what got you excited, man? Um, man, my uh, honestly, like my favorite part um, of the entire thing, and th- and this ain't to say that that other dudes in this industry don't don't mean a lot to me, but. Uh, I was finally able to meet in person and, and truly spend some time with, uh, with my good friend, Jim Hodge. Um, never met that man before in my life other than just phone conversations and things, uh, until shot show. And, and the reason that that means a lot to me is because, uh, almost four years, about four years ago now, um, I was out here trying to do a thing and Jim Hodge believed in that thing. And then took a gamble on me and uh, decided to, to represent uh, a nobody that nobody knew uh, that ain't ever done nothing special, you know, in, in his life. And I just I just wanted to meet that fellow. Uh, so I got to do that. Uh, oh, that's cool. 
Yep, that was super cool. I got to see my uh, my other good friend Jeff Mao um, from Tenacore. Jeff is uh, one of the the finest men I've ever known, and it's always fantastic to get to to you know uh, bump chest with him. Um, what else? What else? Man, I got to go and uh, and see my boys from Ridgeline. Uh, always a good time seeing those guys, man. Uh, Blake and Nate and Devin and Jay and Larry and Nolan and Alex and all of them, man. Uh, all great dudes up there. Uh, got got a little bit of history with the majority of them, and so it's always good to go see my friends up there. They took me to the to, – they, so they had a whole penthouse because they ain't playing no games. Um, so – I had to go see my first ever Las Vegas penthouse, which was insane. Uh, ain't never seen nothing like that. It truly is like some crap out of movies. Um, mm. <laughs> to- toilets that you walk up to and the seat lifts up for you and stuff. Like just wild, just wild stuff, man. Steamers, big old tubs everywhere. You know what I mean? Two, two toilets in one bathroom, big old walk-in shot. You could, you could fit 10 human beings in one of them showers. Um, easily. No, no problem. And, uh, so stuff like that, you know, to see that kind of stuff is pretty cool. Um, what else happened? Got to see, you know, got to see all my all my buddies, man. Met met a lot of dudes that I ain't never met in person. Um, and and that was, you know, the the products were cool, stuff was neat, but like that's that's, I don't know, man. Like I'm I I, I live for the the relationships in this in this industry with with the people that believe in what I'm trying to do, man, and 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 go with me and and try to do the same thing on their side. Um, those are, those are, those are what I like to do. Um, but as far as products, like, so Leupold's Mark four line is coming uh, or is here. And, uh, that's really, really neat as far as the kind of, you know, to go back to what we were kind of talking about the DMR scope gun world. Uh, a lot of dudes are, are wanting to get into this stuff, but they, I mean, you know, let's be honest, like, like who's, who's got $2,700 laying around they can drop on a scope tomorrow, you know, like not, not, not many. Um, sure. So the Mark IV line kind of solves that problem. It is absolutely Mark V level material, but they've just removed a couple of different little features that I don't think you'll you'll really miss uh, to give the people you know uh, a product line that I think is basically untouchable for the cost that they're gonna they're gonna offer that. So like they got a uh, two and a half to 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 ten Mark IV. Mm. Well, they also got the two to ten Mark V. So, what's the difference? Well, one of them don't go down to two. It's only you know two and a half, uh, and it doesn't have the fo- side focal adjustment knob on the side like the the Mark V does. Other than that, it's the same scope, uh, well, you know, with, within reason. Uh, but that scope is going to be a thousand dollars instead of twenty five hundred dollars. Wow! Um, and so now dudes can get like some really really good made in America, like U.S. glass from a, from an heirloom company that's been doing this forever um, that is really, really good. They got a 1 to 4, man. That 1 to 4 is freaking sick, dude. I ain't never been excited about a 1 to 4, but, like, you want to, you want to, like, assuming, which I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's a safe assumption, assuming the, the Mark Four one to 4s that they are putting out is the same as the one I, I saw, uh, that's the... That that one X is right up there with the with the one to ten uh, razor, which is the the cleanest, flattest one X I've ever seen. Uh, that's a that's a true freaking one X LPVO. Um, center illuminated dot looks great. Um, 
like you talking about like I, I want to throw a an LPVO on a on a patrol rifle and I ain't got it about a thousand bucks. That's 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 a great one. Pretty light or what? Yeah, yeah, super light, super tiny. Um, locking uh, locking turrets on it so like you can you can add some some mills to something if you wanted to and still have turrets that locked out. So it's kind of weird, right? Because like. They they couldn't redesign an entire scope and then sell them very cheaply. They they, they got to use like interchangeable parts. So like something that's pretty funny is uh, you get this Mark IV one to four and it's got Mark V uh, turret caps on it, which means you can dial that hoe up to twenty seven mils <laughs> if you want to, <laughs> which is ridiculous. That's a lot. To, yeah. yeah, like like we're at we're at two thousand <laughs> yards at this point, you know, with a damn one to four, but it's you know. You got to do what you got to do. So, um, I understand mm-hmm. why they did it. It, 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 it you know, it, it don't make a tremendous amount of sense, but whatever. Um, options. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Uh, that was, that was neat to see. Um, Magpul came out with their clear magazine. Everybody lost their mind about that, you know. So that's that. I mean, it is neat. I'm not taking away from it. It is neat. It's super cool that they finally figured out a way to do this reliably. Um, yeah, the, the, those those dudes, man, in the in the polymer technology side of the house, those those dudes are untouchable. Um, they 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 are, you know, the the loophole night force of of plastic. Like mm-hmm. they're 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 the greatest that it, that it is. So that was neat. Um, what else did I see? Modlite came out with some new light heads that are. Uh, I'm going to say about half the size of the old ones. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, but, I thought I saw but, some like mini lights yeah. or something. Yep, yep, super mini lights for like little pocket lights and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are super cool. Um, what else, man? Uh, Unity. So Unity released. So, you know, you got the fast mount, right, And then with the magnifiers and all. Right. Um, they have now their own line of magnifiers. And so the magnifier and the mount come as one single unit. It's not separate. And so you can just mm. buy their their magnifier already on their high-rise mount and save yourself some money from having to buy a mount and a magnifier separately and put oh, two wow. pieces together. Yep. So that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. I bet it's still pretty expensive, but probably very cool. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's going to be cheaper than, than buying them separate for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero Delta, which a lot of people uh, might not know about, it's a little little company out of Hickory. They're they're doing some pretty neat stuff, man. They've got some very interesting uh, competitive geared rifles uh, and some pretty interesting, you know, uh, spinoffs of the Glock pistol that they're doing. Uh, that was pretty neat to see and, and talk with them about. I'm curious. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean spinoffs of the Glock pistol? Uh, so you know, like the Z, like the. Yeah, like you know, like the Zev OZ9, like that's a spinoff yeah. of the Glock pistol. So yeah. uh, they yeah. they have their variants of that, and like the frames and the way they're doing the texturing and the way they're doing the molding on those is 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 pretty good. Like I I, I didn't hate it. Um, cool. Those were neat. Um, uh, there's some cool stuff happening with Aimpoint. I can't disclose that though. Uh, it's not it's not uh, happening with me. I just know about it, but it's 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 going to be neat. Lupo mm-hmm. has something freaking sick that is coming at some point. I don't know when, so don't mm. at me, bro. Right? Um, <laughs> it, it's probably going to be at least twenty twenty five, 
maybe even 2026 if I know them. Uh, but dude, when it gets here, it is literally like, and I don't say this lightly, man. If they if they do what what they are talking about doing, um, it will blur the line between Red Dot and LPVO. Like, like there 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 won't. If they do what they're talking about doing, I don't know why an LPVO would be a thing anymore. I'll say. Well, I mean, once they put an AI layer in there so that you don't even have to look at a reticle for your holds and you just center the dot, then, you know, the game has been changed, right? Dude, you you say that jokingly, but what they're talking about doing is freaking nuts. Um, And it's, I'm super excited about it because it's not so crazy that it seems undoable. It's not so crazy that it seems like, oh my gosh, this is going to be dumb as hell. You know, like it's, it's like, it's one of those things that's like, holy smokes, dude. Like, like we have such a hard time blending thought between technical, like technology and mechanical. Uh, like, we just don't think like that. Like, we don't think about blending those two together. Um, they, they do, and they have. And, uh, and it's, it's wild. Um, so anyway, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Um, I'm curious what you think about, I saw some booth, I don't know, on some Instagram channel highlighting some button that goes on the rail that changes the, uh, the magnification on LPVO kind of like that sliding rail thing, but now it's a button Mm. that you would, you know, did you see see what I'm talking um, about? I, I didn't. I didn't see it. Uh, but just thinking uh, about it off the top of my head, I don't. I don't know how you do that unless you. So, well, two ways. Either they've taken that and it's electronic module that mates to a scope and has mechanical parts that actually turn the dial. Um, yes, that's what's that's happening. What it, There's a motor. Yeah, yeah it's like an, a proprietary motor and like some sort of wireless connection or wired connection. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. Killed in the streets, it. huh? Yeah, I hate it. Um, so, uh, number one, not only is it like, does that just seem on its face as like a multiple places for something to kind of go wrong and break. But like the secondary thing is it's not needed. It's not going to enhance anybody's performance. Um, there, there is no situation where you are dialing far and near very, very quickly by, by necessity where you don't have the time to do it. Like that's, that scenario does not exist. It, it, it sounds cool and it looks real cool and it fits in with dudes range days where they set up targets and they act like someone snuck up on them at close range or something like that. Um, n- number one, bro, that don't really happen. And number two, if it did, like what about offset dots? What about point shooting? What about a number of different things? I don't know. What about dialing shit? Like just dial it down. Like, I don't know. Um, if, if I have to move my hand on the rail to push a button, then why can't I just move my hand on the rail to dial a dial, like with a, with a cattail or a throw lever. And then also like if dudes are going to need magnification for what they're about to do, they already know that before they mount the barricade. So like, and it, I, I don't get it. I really don't. Uh, now I'm not saying somebody couldn't dig deep and find that one niche application for it, but I, I but that's not how they're going to market it. They're going to market it as if everybody needs it, and that's not that's not true at all. Um, so I mean, it, now I'm, I'm not hating on the, the 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 product by way of like I, I really like dudes using like innovative ideas and things to try to like push forward this 
gear meets technology meets skill, uh, uh, you know, Venn diagram that we got going on here. But like, there's going to be a lot of people, but because we're doing that, there's going to be a lot of failure products that come to market that are just like, yeah, sounds cool. But like in, in application, it's just, I'm, I'm not willing to take and put a motor, a battery cables, attachments and all this on my gun for that sub 1% chance that I might need to dial and, and, and that be a quarter second faster than just using my hand. Like I'm just not, I'm just not willing to do that. You know, and I, I mean, you know how I am, man. It's again, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade or anything at anybody's stuff intentionally or nothing like that. It's just, um, I'm just brutally honest and I'm, I'm not interested in, in trying to protect people's fragile egos. It's not, it's not personal and it's not out of hate. It's just, I, I disagree with that entire product idea. Oh, the, um, speaking of the, uh, the, the, the new Knight's Armament, uh, the Knight's Armament KS1 rifle. That, that's really cool. Um, not, nothing, nothing groundbreaking, right? Nothing crazy. They just took the, uh, the mod two and just upgraded it even more. The, the rail now goes on, uh, and locks into the upper receiver by way of like a little interface at the top rail. That was neat. Um, the barrel's going to come dimpled. Uh, to reduce a little bit of weight and also like, man, that just looks pimp. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, let's be honest. Right. Uh, and then, uh, what else happened with that thing? I can't remember what else they did. I, I talked to a rep about it for a little while, but it's just, it just looks like a great little, it's a 13, seven now instead of a 14, five. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looks like a great little handy freaking do all kind of gun. Like it just, yeah, I, I was, yeah. it was cool to see. Nikes make some quality stuff, man. Like they're still like when you just look at it, you're like, man, this thing is just For wow, sure. um, just put together well. Um, PSA's got that new little uh, MP7 clone looking five seven mm-hmm. PDW. I don't know if you saw the videos of that. I did. Um, I did. Yeah, that yeah. that's kind of neat, man. That's a that's a neat little it's a neat little idea that kind of blends PDWs that are truly small and rifle caliber ish ballistics um ish, yeah mm-hmm. you know so it's neat it's neat to see them moving that direction like i say man psa is doing some cool stuff man they got some neat crap happening uh with the aac you know ammo product line and these these new guns they're throwing together i mean it's, it's kind of cool i wanted to ask you if you found any triggers were you looking at any triggers while you were out there oh uh, so for for a do all all around trigger man that's that's a hundred bucks that that Larue is going to be hard to beat dude, um that La, that Larue MBT is going to be hard to beat I think that thing will remain the king for quite some time, uh as far as truly like budget triggers that are great like that trigger is freaking great for a hundred dollars, um. Yeah, like, I, dude, I'm not buying guys with triggers anymore. I've decided. Like, I, I, I got I got an email thread going right now uh, with with guys like guys of customer service always treat you like an idiot, which I, I I get partially right because like they they probably deal with a lot of them. Um, but dude, like, you know, I I, I gave them uh, my uh, my credentials and kind of wrote out all the the little details of everything that was going on. Told them my round counts and and things like that. Like. They should know after my intro email that they're not dealing with some dummy that shoots 200 rounds of steel case a year, right? Like I was using the big words and like the stuff that I'm saying makes sense. And I just, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and I just would appreciate 
you know, a little, a little higher level of respect with, with what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. like their, their freaking trigger went double fire on me. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's brand new and rebuilt. Like I just rebuilt it because it was acting weird and I rebuilt it thinking, Oh, well maybe it just needs to be rebuilt, but that didn't do it. I told them all that and they told me I needed to order a set of replacement springs. And, uh, and then I told him about the other one that was worn out and I wasn't asking for a free one. I was just asking like, Hey, I've, I've worn this guy's the SSAE out. It's lost its second wall. Like 80% of the time, 80% of the time you don't feel a second wall. It just goes bang. It's turned into like a, uh, uh, SD three G it just rolls straight through. And they were like, Oh, you need, you need to get a new set of springs. Try that. And I was like, no, like you don't understand this thing has like 50,000 rounds on it, man. My question to you is, is should I restone it? Or should I just buy a new one? And so, anyway, like, if I'm going to spend $300 on your freaking trigger and, like, I can't, like, bro, you ain't going to, like, can, can a player just get a spring pack? Like, is that is that cool? I, I don't know. And I, I get it. Like, it's usable parts. and With 50000 I mean, the amount of wear that you put on one of the triggers has got to be at the definite minority. You know what I'm saying? Like... They should value your your input and and even want you to send it in or something. Check check the last ten years of order history, bro. Like, I I got I got six thousand dollars worth of triggers from y'all, man. You know what I mean? Like, help it play out. You know, like can can, can I talk to a supervisor or some? You know, um, you know. So anyway, uh, it's just I like if I what I'm going to end up doing is just freaking throwing these things away and buy new ones anyway. And so if I'm going to do that, I'd rather them be a hundred dollar triggers. Well, uh, going back to the PDW stuff that we were talking about, I know someone had asked like wondering what your thoughts were on PDWs. I think that was one of the questions that Uh, someone wrote in. I, uh, I think that they're a very niche application and most people are looking for a reason to use them that don't have one. Um, I don't. That, that's not, again. That's not me hating on them. That's just me being honest, right? Like your your insurance or, or tire selling ass doesn't have a need to put an, a, a, an assault weapon in the in a backpack, you, you know, and carry it around in town uh, most of the time. Um, and and to the dudes that are mad that I called it an assault weapon, I don't know what else you'd be doing with that other than assaulting a bitch if they needed some assaulting. You know, I mean that's 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 just the thing. Yeah, I think that we covert. also need to stop sugarcoating our our weapon systems. But anyway, um, so you know, it, it ain't that I won't use it or can't use it or can't find a reason to use it. It's just that I think that it would be very few and far between. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want one. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, you uh, got an Uzi or what you got? What you got? Well, so the only thing that I have right now is like a subsonic 300 blackout MCX. It's a very short, you know, overall length with the folding stock. Yeah, it it is. It's really cool. Um, But aside from that, there's, you know, no real use that I've ever found for one because I'll just just go get a rifle if we're going to do things (laughs) like that. Mm hmm. Um, I'll tell you what I was looking at though. I was looking at the APC ten, dude. The, the those are those are real cool, man. The B and T, yeah, man. It's got because it, I think it's got a similar safety or lower to an AR, so very similar, like you know, manipulation. I had a sit down at the B and T booth um, back in one of the meeting rooms with Jim Hodge and a couple of other dudes from B and T. Those are some good dudes, man. Uh, I, I like those fellas. 
Well, that's awesome, man. It's cool that you got to go sit down with them. Well, you know, they're making the, uh, they're making, they're making Hodge rifles now. Like, like you are Greg Ryder, who's the, you know, higher up at, at Greg Ryder police station or whatever. And you want 40 Hodge rifles, you call BNT and you order them and they'll make them. So they're building them from parts that they're sourcing from, from Hodge or what? They're something like that. Yes. They are machining this rifle. Oh, oh shit. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep, because they have the capacity to fulfill large order requirement. Whereas, wow. So they're just like a manufacturing arm of Hodge with correct. some licensing kind of thing. That's dope. Yep. yep. Um, so that's that's pretty neat. Um, Jim's a smart guy. Dude, he's freaking brilliant. It's insane. Um, like and everybody, everybody over here hating this. Like, bro, this man... Well, I ain't gonna put his business in the street, but he he do an eye. Just just know that. What you know what, what I mean? like from what's like Mark's perspective of what drives a guy like Jim Hodge? Is it his experience in the military? Is it is it his drive for innovation? Is he an engineer mind? Like how would you describe him? Man, he is. He has a knack to look at something and say, "Okay, what have we missed here?" Like it's good and it's working and everything's good, but like what little thing could we do that, you know, the vast majority are going to, are going to really care about, but like the discerning fellow would notice. And even if, you know, we make 50 of them and that's it. Well, 50 dudes will have something that, that they can really say, man, this is like, this is what I want. This is what I've always wanted. Um, and he's just, he's very, uh, I would say intuitive very intuitive about like the little things uh, that, that go into, you know, certain stuff like that. So he just, man, he's just, you know, like there's a reason that, and a lot of people don't know this. Um, I don't think he would mind me saying like, there's a reason that he's like a paid consultant for a, a lot of very big name companies. Um, like it has nothing to do with the fact that they sell hot rifles or he sells their product. It's because he's just smart as crap. Uh, about like how to how to see around certain things that other people just don't see. Wow! Yeah, he's had a long career, very successful, right? Yep. Yep, yep. And super nice guy, man. Super nice. But uh, yeah, man. That I mean, it, you know, shot wasn't incredibly exciting by way of products. I didn't see anything nuts. Uh, ZCO. If any of the listeners know what ZCO is, zero compromise scopes. Uh, they dropped a freaking uh, two to twenty, which is kind of cool, um, and it's it's tiny. Uh, it ain't it ain't like no big uh, big bail objective lens scope. Like it's it's pretty tiny form factor. Uh, it, it it is what I would call their answer to loopholes two to ten. So that's neat, man. I I, I love I love to see that crap. Like I love to see dudes like trading licks like that with products. Like that's what that's what drives it. So. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing that Ridgeline rifle, man. Like even down to like you said, the uh, DLC coated bolt carrier group. Like some of the some of those like fine like nuances, those those subtle touches sound really I agree. cool. I'm tickled to death about that. That's gonna be that's gonna be. It's like that truly is like they didn't just take what everybody else was already doing and slap their name on it and call it 
special, right? Like they they change some stuff. And like a lot of dudes will look at that and they'll be like, oh, what's so special about that? Like it was monolithic, but it ain't just monolithic, man. Like there's more crap going on under the hood of that thing that you can't see in a picture. And so, you know, just give it time and some and some info will begin to come out and you'll understand how this this is special, man. Like this is this is super cool. Um so I I, I too am pretty tickled to be able to get it and and rock and roll with it. Um, I think it'll make a great little addition to the family over here. Yeah, yeah definitely, man. I think that that uh, just by default, you know, based on uh, the the previous relationships, interactions, and history between Sevy and Ridgeline in in New Hampshire, I think that might become Sevy's rifle one day. Oh yeah, so, yeah, that'd be neat. You know, Sevy Sevy shot a two forty nine machine gun on the ridge. Uh, Sevy, Sevy and Alex have a have a special <laughs> little relationship. <laughs> so uh, how how fitting that you know one day I I'll, I'll pass that sword on down to her. Oh man, that's gonna be special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to get in the line of fire of Sevy. <laughs> she wouldn't well, hesitate. Pretty wild. She's pretty wild. <laughs> uh, she got done. She got done shooting that thing, and she looked at Alex, and uh, she looked at me, and. And she was like, Daddy, I'm having inclusive thoughts. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and, I, and she's like, I was thinking inclusive thoughts. And I said, I think you mean intrusive, honey. You know, <sighs> she was like, yeah. She was like, I looked at them tables over there and I thought about what, what would this thing do if I shot them? And then I seen them barrels and I thought, what would it do if I shot them? And then I seen that car, you know, and Alex was like, little girl, you were a machine gunner. <laughs> he was like, that is exactly what comes out of a machine gunner's brain is I, I wonder what, you know, 200 rounds at cyclic rate of five, five, six would do to that thing over there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yes, Alex is always uh, making the, that little inside joke, you know, something will happen and he'll be like, Hmm, I'm having inclusive thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, well, good for her, man. That's a rarity. That's a rarity. Yeah. That's something that's pretty badass. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I know it's getting late for you. Um, and you, you just you had a long weekend. Is there is there other stuff you want to talk about? I know you you got a a phone number now for folks to leave voicemails on, and we got some cool stuff coming on the website. But uh, yeah, we stuff, got a bunch anything? of cool stuff coming, man. I think twenty twenty four is going to be neat. Uh, tomorrow, so it's it's Sunday, whatever. What is it? January the what? January? I don't know what it. Well, yeah, whatever day it is. Tomorrow, uh, we are going to begin the the DMR testing process. So, I don't even know if I like to call it a test. It's more of just an exploratory thing, right? The the adventure. This is an adventure we're going on, um, and. The BCM KD4 upper is is on deck, uh, so we'll start the uh, the burn down of that thing. And when I say burn down, I don't mean like no Aaron Cowan two thousand round burn down. I mean like I gotta I gotta put enough rounds through this barrel for the velocities to level out before I start testing anything because uh, it's a brand new barrel. So um, I'll start that tomorrow, and you know, and we'll we'll get some data on how long that takes and everything. Get some media on that. Um, what is the initial velocity? Um, record all the environmentals and start shooting it and see when it finally stops climbing. Like it'll get faster and faster and faster until it just kind of levels out. 
Uh, and then from there, we'll clean it, and then we'll start shooting it and start putting it on paper and see, seeing what's up with it. So that all starts tomorrow, so it shouldn't be too long. People have some, some media coming out, some content coming out of uh, what's going oh, on yeah. with these guns. Oh, man, that's cool. Outside of that, that's what I got planned. When is uh, When's the next uh, group class you got going on? Is that in? Oh man, that's not until March. So I had. Uh, I was gonna the, say you the, got some time. Well, so it seems that way. But remember, just because I ain't doing open enrollment stuff, don't mean I ain't doing nothing, right? Because I got uh, one, two, three, four, five. So I got six private classes in the month of February, and three of them are multi-day. Um, one of them's a, a, a group of dudes that um, is a, uh, a a professional unit. And then uh, the others, the others are all just private citizens. Uh, one cop, I think, but still private citizen. Um, but yeah, six six private classes that are going on with with multiples of those being multiple days. Uh, one dude's coming out here to do th- three three straight days. So a lot of work. Um, just nothing. Uh, open enrollment first. First open enrollment course uh, coming up is going to be. I think I think it's the Huntsville uh, pistol course. Sold out, by the way. Um, and then shortly after that, we'll be going to Oklahoma to do a rifle gig. Um, and then off to California to see you soon thereafter. Yeah. I also wanted to say, man, the last FaceTime tune up I did with you was super helpful. And then recently when I got the new competition pistol up and running, you gave me a, um, like a little regiment to go through in terms of getting tuned up for my next match. And just wanted to say that that was super valuable. And for anyone listening, like I know, I know you're trying to do some of those FaceTime tune-ups a bit more. Um, I don't know if you kind of want to plug that or talk do, a little bit. Yeah, about. I need to do better about like, like I think a lot of dudes don't even know that that exists because um, I kind of suck at letting them know. Uh, but what FaceTime tune-up was 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 my idea of like, hey man, like you, you can't get out to a class whether it be private or open enrollment for whatever reason. I don't care, and it don't matter, right? What, what else can we do? Uh, and with the advancements of modern technology, dude, like, why can't we just sit down together either on a phone call or on a FaceTime call, right? Like a video call, it could be Zoom, it could be, uh, dude, there's so many different places to do that now, right? So, like, um, since I started doing this, I figured out you can do this on Facebook Messenger, you can do this on Instagram Messenger, you can do this on iPhone, you can do this on Zoom, you can do, like, like it's, it's like we can do it wherever, right? Um, and it can also be at the range or it can be, just in your house, just dry fire, right? Um, and it's basically like me and you one on one time. We're like, what, what, what you got going on, man? Let's let's work through it. I got I got an hour, um, and you you know you, you buy it and you get an hour of uh, of of time for us to sit down and like personally attack your uh, issue and and what you've got going on. And uh, I think it's super cool. Um, I've actually used that feature with other coaches in different facets of my life as a student. And, and I, th- I think it's super neat. Um, it, it like, you know, from the comfort of your own home, let's work on this without you having to come all the way out somewhere and take a bunch of time to, to figure out one, like, like a lot of dudes, especially dudes that are at a significantly higher level. They're not, they're just trying to get the juice out of the, out of the fruit for, for one thing. Like they, they don't, they don't need the two days. They just need the one thing. You know what I mean? Um, and then also for the beginner guy, he don't need the two days either because he's he, he's still trying to figure out how to work this thing. 
Um, so it's, it's really good for those dudes on, on those ends of the spectrum. And then also anybody in between that just has this one nagging thing that they, they can't seem to figure out. Um, and, and I, I guarantee you, man, if, if, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to, I'm going to find you the answer. I ain't just going to take your money and, and leave you hanging. Um, we, we, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. It was helpful for me to understand what I needed to work on to get the maximum amount of value when I actually came out to an in-person class. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you did a quick assessment like, hey, Greg, can you shoot, you know, a B8 at 25 yards with no time limit, like pretty consistently A zone hits like 90 percent of the time? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm maybe just there now and just mm-hmm. trying to shoot on the move or just trying to acquire the dot on a quick draw. And you're like, all right, this is what we're going to work on, right? This is the yeah. this is the dry fire uh, regiment you need to to start doing it each week. And I I just found it super valuable and very complimentary to to the group stuff and, and kind of like what you said, whether it's before coming to a class or maybe even post class reviewing some of the things that maybe I uncovered. Uh, as a weakness, right? So, oh man, I ain't um, never, I ain't never thought of that. The like a post class uh, re- revisit. That's neat. Yeah, that's a neat idea. Anyways, yeah, I think uh, I think people will get a lot of value out of that. And you're gonna have on your new website your full calendar and availability posted, so people can just hop on there and pick a time for that one hour lesson, book the slot. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be neat. I think the new site's going to be cool, man. I, I got a lot of good ideas uh, that I think that, that I, I think it. I hope my hope is is that the new site does a better job to just represent how normal I am, like how normal dude I am. Like 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 we we don't got to be all tactical killer, super duper death, you know, like the rest of this industry. Like, like, why can't we just be like some freaking dads or some, some normal working men that, that are, you know, just trying to get better at shooting on their, on their spare time. Um, and I, I hope that the, the new site is like just a really cool place that, that makes dudes feel like, man, this is, this is neat. Like, I, I don't know. You know, it's just a website and I'm sure that most people ain't as excited as I am about it, but I, you know, I, I think that I'm finally to the point in this career of mine where I've, I know what I want to present. Um, and, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be cool. I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to some of the dedicated DMR content that you're going to be putting yeah. together. I'm looking forward to honestly, some of the downloadable targets. I'm looking forward to some, How about of some downloadable content, Greg. Would you be interested uh, in some downloadable too. content? Probably not as much as I'm looking forward to some of those apparel drops, you know. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I I think it's going to be good all around, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, hopefully. Like, what if there was like two days worth of DMR slash scope gun slash magnified optic curriculum available for purchase for a dude that couldn't make it to a class? where he could just watch this crap on his own time. And it not, you know, like where the, where a lot of it is not like, I just purpose made this just for you. Like, nah, dude, like come to a class with us. Like, let's, let's record a lot of this at the class where it's like, you're, you're here. You know what I mean? Um, that'd be neat. So anyway, I'm excited. All right, man. Well, uh, it's been good talking to you. It's it's uh, good to hear that you had a good and productive trip at SHOT Show. I'm looking forward to seeing the new website and doing some more 
uh, FaceTime tune-ups with you. And then, and then of course, seeing you in April for the, the scope carving class and all the stuff that you're doing. In yeah. So, yeah, man. Yep, yep. Well, good to talk to you too, man. Always a pleasure, sir. All right, guys, that's the show for the day. As always, if you'd like to know more, you can visit us at www.jbstraininggroup.com. If you'd like to get in on a class, you can check the roster and the schedule, which is always changing. If you'd like to host a class, you can hit me up at jbstraininggroup at gmail.com. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. Make sure you talk to Jesus today, and we'll see you on the range.